0: Good evening, everybody. Somebody mentioned before the service that maybe uh, we get extra Christian points for being here tonight on the 1st of January. Doesn't really work that way. Let me assure you that if uh, you're in Christ, you have maximum Christian points as it is. You can have some Steve points for being here tonight though, Uh, (laughs) not worth quite as much. Uh, What a privilege to be amongst the people of God as they gather Sunday by Sunday, here we are. Uh, as his people. Um, Let me pray as we look at Psalm 23. Loving Father, thank you for this wonderful psalm. Uh, We pray Lord that you would help us to really enter into it as we think about it tonight, Uh, bring us the comfort and assurance that it can give to us as followers of Jesus and uh, we ask this in his name, Amen. Well what is uh, the nature of a believer's relationship with God? Uh, What's the nature of your relationship with God? Some people think that uh, God is like a helpful butler to us. Uh, That is, He stays at a discreet distance but He's listening and whenever you call on Him for help, then there He is, He shows up right at your side at the right time and He gives you what you need. And so, of course, people are outraged when they call on Him and He doesn't give them what they need. Um, I met a guy once who told me that he prayed and prayed that he would get into university and he didn't get into university so he doesn't believe in God because what's the point? Uh, God should be there to help us when we need Him because that's what a relationship with God is all about, He's kind of like our butler. Other people see God as uh, being like a strict school, uh, a headmaster at school who watches and listens and he's always ready to catch you out for something that you're doing wrong and pounce on you. Um, At one stage I worked at a kind of a large gothic style church and uh, um, uh, I was talking to a guy who was walking through the grounds one day and as he was talking he accidentally let slip a swear word in conversation Uh, and he instantly apologized and said, oh sorry, I shouldn't use that language so close to a church. as if there's sort of this perimeter around a church where God can hear you within that perimeter, if you kind of stay a little bit further away then you sort of fly under the radar. Uh, A little bit like school, you know how in the playground you would be very well behaved when you were near the headmaster's office because he might hear or see out his window or whatever but down the back of the toilets you could do whatever you wanted because no one was watching there. Uh, Some people think that God's like that, Um, you kind of keep your distance or if you can't do that then you're as well behaved as possible when, he, when you're in view uh, because if you tra- attract his attention for the wrong reasons then you might get busted. Uh, in the ancient world people might have been tempted to view God more like the pagan gods and their view of the gods was different in that they were, their gods were quite distant and their gods were sort of fairly disinterested in what humans were doing, they had their own thing going on. And uh, sometimes we need their help for good crops and rain and whatever else and so we try to attract their attention. Uh, But it really is quite an art form getting their attention and getting them to give you what you want. Um, Like in 1 Kings 18, there's this famous episode on Mount Carmel where it's Elijah versus the prophets of Baal. uh, Who can get their god to send fire down from heaven? It's kind of like this competition. And uh, the Baal worshippers go go first and uh, it says there, They called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response, no one answered. And they danced around the altar they'd made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god, perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or travelling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice but there was no response no one answered no one paid attention can you imagine if your relationship with god were like that god were basically doing his own thing and you've got to really work out how to get his attention if you want something from him and so you've got to get the right formula maybe it's slashing yourself and letting the blood flow or it's shouting really loud or it's doing a particularly good thing or something like that Some people think God must be fairly disinterested uh, and it's hard to get his attention. Now, none of those pictures, the butler, the headmaster, the distant deity, uh, describes the Bible believers' relationship with God. If you're a Christian, your relationship with God is very different. And Psalm 23 famously uses this image of the shepherd and a sheep to describe a believers' relationship with God. And if you really get it, it gives a lot of hope and assurance and comfort. As paul said it's new year's day Um, we're looking ahead to what 2023 might bring you might be hoping it's going to be better than 2022 but if it holds for you a deepening relationship with god along the lines of what this psalm is talking about then it's going to be a really good year for you no matter what else is going on so as it says in the title this is a psalm of david and david king david knew what he was talking about with shepherds because he was one in his early life And he begins by saying the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing so that's the heading and the basic claim of the psalm the lord is the translation of the covenant name of israel's god his sort of personal name by which they knew him yahweh is translated the lord in our english bibles Uh, and what other nation could claim a relationship with their god like this israel's god was their shepherd To be a shepherd uh, was a fairly lowly occupation because it was a fairly hard job. Uh, Of course, you you probably know the picture, it involved round-the-clock care of the sheep, uh, protecting the sheep night and day. They didn't have fences and paddocks to kind of, I'll just put them into the night paddock and then I'll go to bed or watch TV or whatever. Uh, They didn't have fencing really in those days very much. And so the shepherd was not just the manager but the constant carer of the sheep night and day. Who would want that job? Just hanging around with a bunch of sheep, looking after them the whole time. Well, not very many people because, I mean, uh, King David, when he was growing up, was the youngest of eight sons and there was a reason why he got the job of being the shepherd because nobody else wanted it. So, the youngest son got lumped with being out in the fields with the sheep all the time. So, it was a fairly uh, lowly occupation, not one that anybody would really want. So, it's incredible that Israel's God would stoop to be known... As their Shepherd he would stoop to be the Shepherd of his people and when God sent his son into the world to save and call a people to belong to him not just from the sheep pen of Israel but from other sheep pens to become one people as he said in John 10 he also came as a Shepherd and when Jesus said I am the good Shepherd it wasn't just hey I'm in charge around here it was I've come to serve and care for the people God's people And he said i lay down my life for the sheep so that really is the ultimate fulfillment of being a carer is laying down your life for the people you're caring for and this is what jesus did as the good shepherd and this is why a follower of jesus can relate to psalm 23 maybe even better than an old testament believer because we know jesus as our carer so we can relate to what's being said here about the lord it says if the lord is your shepherd then you lack nothing in the sense of what more could I want particularly if you know that your shepherd lay down his life for you one of his sheep could you really say oh well God but you haven't given me this and you haven't given me that and you haven't given me the other thing I lay down my life for the sheep and so it's appropriate for, for us to say well I lack nothing if that's what he's given for us Uh, And I'm going to follow the commentary by James Montgomery Boyce here and run through the psalm under the headings of The Things That You Do Not Lack If The Lord Is Your Shepherd and hopefully we'll uh, have a think about these things and gain a better appreciation of what we have in Him. So uh, you've got these little titles on the outline that you might have picked up on the way in. Firstly, If The Lord Is Your Shepherd, You Do Not not Lack Rest. Rest. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters. Interesting that the psalm begins with the idea of rest, Um, a relationship with God does not begin with a struggle to get into a relationship with God, it begins with learning to rest by trusting in God's care for you. So that's what a Christian is, is somebody who trusts in Jesus to look after them in a sense and so it starts with rest. It doesn't start with struggle and turmoil Uh, and the picture of the sheep in verse 2 is of content comfortable sheep Um, uh, i'm no expert in animal husbandry but um, i'm led to believe that sheep don't lie down unless they are feeling pretty at ease if they're skittish and nervous then they stay on their feet ready to run away Uh, but he makes us lie down in green pastures That is a picture of peace and plenty for the people of god and the quiet waters Uh, now christians often struggle to experience the rest that god promises to us Um, we're like everybody else we're very anxious about many things and possibly that's because we want everything all at once and so we're anxious about the things that we don't have or we might be going without But the gospel tells us that if you are in christ you are in green pastures now you're in the middle of a very green pasture often of course the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence and you think oh what would it be like to to live that way to leave this pasture perhaps Um, and we can become discontent with the kind of grass that god's giving us and we don't even really want to eat it very much uh, so we don't get a taste for it but remember jesus invitation Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So becoming a Christian means learning to rest in Christ's care even as you serve him, and it's in serving him that you will find rest for your souls when you take his yoke upon you. If we can learn how to trust the Lord as our shepherd then we will find that we don't lack his rest we'll find that the green pastures that we have uh, well uh, uh, are certainly good enough the second thing you do not lack if uh, you know the Lord as your shepherd is life so in verse 3 it says he refreshes my soul now you might hear that and you might think well that sounds nice, I need a bit of refreshment, it's the holiday season and maybe that's what I'm receiving right now. Um, A few walks by the beach or a nice cup of tea or something like that, time to unwind, he refreshes my soul. Uh, But I think what it's being talked about there is something much deeper than just cups of tea and, and holidays. It actually implies a soul that is twisted out of shape and a life that has gone off the rails... And the word is a little bit stronger than just refreshing, it's restoring my soul. That is, putting it back into shape again, putting, it, putting something that's disjointed back into joint or back on the tracks. So, it's not just talking about refreshment, it's talking about recovery and restoration, which comes through repentance, turning back to God and amending wrong ways and, and living rightly again. Because our souls are disfigured by sin and our lives are are derailed by sin and what's needed for us to be restored is a work of God's grace which comes through the forgiveness that Jesus gives to us and the Holy Spirit's work in transforming us and this is why the Good Shepherd had to lay down his life for the sheep and this is the work that God is willing to undertake for us that is restoring our souls, recovering us for eternal life. So this is something that God has to do And He promises to do, to restore our souls. We do not lack life if we know the Lord as our shepherd. Now, we're not passive in that process. We don't just sit there and He sort of does it all to us. We're active participants in what He is doing for us. And so the third thing that we do not lack if the Lord is our shepherd is guidance. Verse 3, He guides me along the right paths, that is the paths of righteousness, for His name's sake. In the bible the thing about sheep is that um, they easily go astray and so in the prayer of confession we 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 admitted to god that we've strayed from his ways like lost sheep Uh, in isaiah 53 we all like sheep have gone astray ba ba do ba (laughs) ba and uh, jesus tells parables about sheep that have been lost and need to be found and so the thing about sheep is that they need guidance and we need guidance and we can't navigate righteousness by our own senses we need to be guided by somebody jesus said when the shepherd has brought out all his own sheep he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice that's how god guides jesus speaks we recognize his voice because he gives us the holy spirit he gives us ears to hear him speaking and so we respond And of course uh, there's a part of all of us that wants to do our own thing we hear him speaking but we think but i'd rather do that and sometimes we do we need to say sorry for that but at least as christians we we are being guided and we do know better and our shepherd is is working for us to guide us and it is such a privilege to have a shepherd who is guiding us i mean you think about somebody who doesn't know the lord jesus what are they following i mean do they have a guide they're following their own noses they're following one another they're they're following whatever sounds good at the time i think that's the direction i'll take my life in but if you're a christian you have a shepherd you have a guide somebody who is calling to you and you're responding so you do not lack guidance if you have the lord as your shepherd the tone changes a little bit in verse four Um, if you have the lord as your shepherd you do not lack safety even though i walk through the darkest valley i will fear no evil For you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me so note that the paths of righteousness in verse 3 may still lead us into the darkest valley in verse 4 god's not promising comfort and ease at every turn and that phrase the darkest valley um, probably includes the idea of death in the old translations it's the valley of the shadow of death which implies not just the worst of experiences in this life, but also death in the end. And so it's extraordinary reassurance here that even in those circumstances and even in in death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So God is with us through the darkest valleys of life and even in death. And there's a wonderful um, line in a commentary that I read on this psalm that says, Only the Lord can lead a man through death. All other guides turn back and the traveller must go on alone. Um, Each of us faces death all alone. Others, of course, can go with you to a point, they might sit by your bedside, they might hold your hand until your last breath, but they can't go all the way with you. And yet, the Lord can shepherd us all the way through death, as well as every part of life. And it's that knowledge that can take away our fear even in the valley of the shadow of death that he is with us even there if we belong to him and of course he is armed he has a rod like a club to beat off the attackers he has a staff as it says here perhaps like a shepherd's crook to keep us from stepping too far off the path and he uses both the rod and the staff to shepherd us through the dark valleys and the darkest valley of all christians may not always feel safe And we may not always feel like God is with us but if you are in Christ then you can know as a fact that God is with you even if you don't feel like it always you can know that God is with you even in the darkest valley you can know that you are safe because he's with you so a shepherd does not lack safety Uh, sorry a sheep does not lack safety if they have the shepherd with them fifthly you do not lack victory Uh, verse 5 you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you anoint my head with oil my cup overflows now quite clearly at this point uh, the psalm leaves behind the image of the sheep and the shepherd Um, if you're trying to read that into this verse then you're picturing sheep sitting around a table drinking from cups Uh, that doesn't really work so well Um, but this is a picture in verse 5 of the end when the defeated enemies of god witness the victory celebration of God and His people and the blessing of God's people is complete at this point. Um, One day, having been through everything, we will sit down to a well-prepared table in the end, our heads will be anointed in blessing and our cups will overflow. And of course, that's an image that Jesus picks up when He talks about the end-time banquet of the Kingdom of God. If God is with us now, then we are assured of victory in the end that's we know that's where we're headed uh, because he is taking us there and so uh, uh, lastly if you know the Lord as your Shepherd you do not lack a home the victory banquet of God is not just a one-time thing and then you go back to your life that was fun thanks very much no what it is is a homecoming celebration it's the first meal for the rest of eternity with God And so, in verse 6, it says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's the definition of home for you? Some people think of a place, but I think it's more than a place. Home is actually wherever the people you belong with are, that's home. And so, for a Christian, home is where our God is, because we belong firstly with Him. Uh, You might have lived all kinds of different places and none of them are really home because home is where God is if you're a Christian. Uh, Certainly, that's my sense. And so, ultimately, home is the house of the Lord. And the best thing about the end-time kingdom banquet for the people of God is not going to be the food and the drink and whatever else, but the company that we will have joined we will be sitting at table in fellowship and in the centre of that fellowship will be Jesus our Saviour and God our Father. In the meantime it's a wonderful image of uh, that his goodness and love are following us all the days of our lives such that in the end they will finally overtake us his goodness and love wherever i go it's his goodness and love that are following after me i think that's really uh, reassuring to know that you're not being pursued by judgment and destruction those are not the things that are following you and one day will overtake you If you don't know the Lord, if you don't know a saviour, then that is true. It's judgment and destruction that are following you and pursuing you. But those who do know the Lord are being pursued by his goodness and loving kindness. And that's what will overtake us one day. What's going to catch up with you one day? Is it your sins and is it your judgment? No, if you know the Lord as your shepherd, it is God's goodness and loving kindness that are going to catch up with you one day uh, in that final day around that uh, banquet table. When we arrive home with god so that's a really reassuring thought i think what is following you what's going to catch up with you it's the goodness and loving kindness of god so if god were just our butler uh ready to help us and do whatever we asked then there wouldn't really be a lot of help or uh, hope or reassurance for us in that picture because it would still be us guiding ourselves if god were just a headmaster then there would be only judgment ahead, that's what's following after us. If God were just a distant deity that we have to get His attention somehow, then there's not a lot of comfort in that either. But in fact, God is a shepherd and He's more than a shepherd. At the end of the psalm, He's something like a friend. And in the New Testament, He's more than a shepherd and more than a friend. Actually, He's our Father Uh, and that is a wonderful picture as well. And I think we need to be more aware of that and... Uh, We can experience much more of the comfort and the hope and the joy that come from knowing God if we reflect on the nature of our relationship with Him. He's our shepherd and and even more than that. Now, there are variations of a little story around this psalm that you may have heard before. Uh, It's a little bit sentimental, but I suppose it's worth throwing in again uh, just as we finish. It's about a Scottish uh, sheep farmer raising his young grandson in the highlands of Scotland. Um, the boy can't read, but his grandfather teaches him this psalm using the five fingers on his left hand. He teaches him to recite, The Lord is my shepherd. Grasp each finger as you say each word. The Lord is my shepherd. And one day, uh, the boy is out on the hillside uh, with the sheep when a violent snowstorm blows in and the blizzard catches up with him and he can't make it home and the boy is lost. And when his body is found the next day, the grandfather notices the boy is grasping the fourth finger on the hand, the Lord is my shepherd. And that was his dying thought. So he died holding on to the fact that the Lord was his shepherd. And that is the really precious thing. In the end, there is nothing more valuable to hold on to than the Lord is my shepherd. If you put your trust in Jesus, then you can say that, and you can trust it and you can know it that the Lord is your shepherd and that is the most precious thing in the world to know that as a fact so um, let me pray that God will help us to hold on to it ourselves. Loving Father we pray that uh, you would help us to appreciate the way that you relate to us and the kindness with which you do so do so Uh, we don't deserve to have the care that you show to us uh, but you show it to us nonetheless we thank you for the privilege of knowing you as our shepherd through your son jesus the good shepherd Uh, lord please help us to trust you and to know the comfort of knowing you in this way and we pray this in jesus name amen